Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So, so good. God, we just thank you for just how amazing you are. You don't have to stop on account of me. Just keep, keep pressing into the key. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you so much. We love you so much. Yeah, just lift your own song to him. Just lift your own song.
Jesus. Whoo. Thank you, Lord. Just let him minister to your heart. <laughs> Just, man. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. What will we do without him? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> That's right, Tim. I don't want to know. Um, let's look in the book of Job together. And... Uh, just kind of hold your place. We'll probably be reading out of chapter 40 and 41. <clears throat> I'm finding that the Lord is at work in my life. And I think the life of all of us is, um, you really don't know how motivated by fear you are until you face up to the things in life that are kind of scary, <laughs> right? And what I found with the Lord is He's, He's so good at wanting to remove the fear in our life so that he could actually possess every part of us that, that many times we think it's the devil leading us to the scariest part of our life, but it's actually God to remove the fear from our hearts and to put us in a position to where he is the only thing that we fear. And so some of us are facing trials, whether it be internally, externally, whatever we're facing, is because the Spirit of God is actually at work in our life trying to get us to face up to the thing that we've been avoiding our entire life. And so when the Spirit of God came upon Jesus after He was baptized, the first place the Spirit of God takes Him, it leads Him directly into the wilderness. It's that God would remove any fear or anything in our life that might try to take lordship over us and try to control us and to begin to move us into different places. Anything that is controlling you right now outside of God is probably a low-lying, underlying, nagging fear that you have that you've not yet dealt with. And this is what's happening in my life is the Lord is bringing me face-to-face -to, -face to things Getting me to deal with that which I've not been willing to deal with for years, but yet I've been able to carry on and be okay. And just because you're functioning doesn't mean you're okay. Like, we got this idea that if we function within the Christian, Western, religious model of a succession of church services and giving and just being good people, that we're overcomers. But I want to tell you something. You can do that for a long time and never deal with the deep heart issue that God is actually provoking you to deal with. And you can spend your life blaming other people for the position you're in to avoid the reality of coming face to face with the very thing that God is trying to get you to deal with. And so the Lord would move us into a position to be scared, to scare, hear me, to scare hell out of us. Now watch what I said there. Don't get me fired. 
So the Lord would scare hell out of us to preach heaven into us. Okay? And until he deals with the fear, he can't put in something beside that. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that fear involves torment. And when we don't deal with our fears, when we don't come face to face with the things that are dogging us and controlling us, it ends up tormenting us. And sometimes the fear of dealing with the fear is greater than the fear of that, that's actually there, right? It's like, it's like the fear wants to posit itself as the scariest possible thing to get you to not deal with it. But here's the thing is that if you keep praying for God to shrink your giant, your giant is in proportion to your destiny. Some of you are praying for Goliath to get smaller, but what you're doing in that prayer is you're shrinking the destiny and the calling that God has on your life. That your destiny is actually in proportion to the size of the giant that you're fighting. Think about writing a sermon. Honey, I shrunk the destiny. Come on. Come on now. Honey, I shrunk the destiny. Why? Because I kept praying for God to shrink Goliath instead of me facing up to the thing that was trying to exalt me. Because I tried to live some kind of simple, fearless, unchallenged life. And if you want to be God's man or woman, you're going to have to face up to every single thing if you're going to get somewhere with him. And so that's what happens to Job. Job has to come face to face with the thing that scares him the most. Now, there's just such an odd thing that happens in the book of Job. Such a profound book. But there's so much going on, it kind of gives us an insight that we wouldn't have otherwise, right? Because there's a conversation going on on the earth between Job and his friends. But yet we find out there's a conversation going on in heaven between God and Satan. (laughs) So thank God, no matter what the conversation is here, there's a conversation going on up there, okay? So Lord, have us lift our eyes from the conversations here to find out what is the heart of heaven so that we can split the seas and go through to the problem and the promises, rather, of what God would have for us. So Job is a righteous man. God says, what a righteous guy. Satan is going around to and fro and he's deceiving the earth and then he comes up and says, man, God, you're doing a pretty bad job down there. You see how easy it is. To get your people off course. And then uh, God says, well, have you considered Job? Saying so like, oh, well, you would bring him up. <laughs> but we all know why Job is who he is, right? You've got this hedge around him, and you just keep blessing his socks off. And Satan actually brings up a Incredible question here. 
It's like, here's a moment where Satan kind of asks the most probing question throughout the whole of the scriptures. He says, is there no reason Job fears you? Look at what all you're doing in his life. So Satan is actually challenging the motive in God's heart to see what's actually moving him in his life, in his relationship with the Lord. Okay, this is difficult here, but be patient with me as I try to unwrap this. So, Job, in Satan's estimation, is being moved in a certain way because God has given him the desires of his heart. He's blessed him. So the Lord says, okay, I'm going to say that that's not the reason why he's seeking me. Now, how God would know that is God can look upon the heart of humanity and know what's on the inside of them. So if you're ever facing a struggle or a challenge that you feel is greater than you, I want to tell you something. Only God knows what's on the inside of you and knows what's in your heart. So if you're experiencing some kind of resistance and opposition, it's only because God knows you have the capacity within yourself in relationship with Him to actually get through it. So the Lord says, okay, I think I can lift the hedge and I think Job isn't going to falter. I really think he's going to stay in relationship with me. I really think that's going to happen. So he releases his hand off of his life and then all hell breaks loose in Job's life. I mean, it is uh, kind of crazy all the stuff that, that happens here. Now, now, now get this. So we're not going to make light of what happens to Job. But Job is facing incredible crisis. He loses his servants, his oxen. That was a big deal back then. At the hand of a band of raiders. While he's speaking, fire comes down from heaven and burns up the sheep and the servants. A great wind arises and struck the house that his children were in. And Job gets a horrible illness to where he's scraping his skin with broken pieces of pottery laying in the dust. Uh, that's a bad day. I mean, I got a flat tire on Easter, and I kind of lost it a little bit. And I kind of said, oh, Lord, help me. All <laughs> right, like, come on. <laughs> like, this isn't you locked your car and Haagen-Dazs is in your back seat, okay? Like, like this is... This is like warfare stuff. This is, this is hell is breaking loose in his life. And Job begins to fight the devil, just to be honest. And in Job chapter 3, verse 25, it gives us a key. And he says, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. So what was happening there? God was addressing a fear that he had that was greater than the fear that he had for the Lord. And he was beginning to poke in at the thing that was actually motivating him to serve the Lord. See, like this. Some of you are coming to church so that you won't relapse. 
So your motivation is your fear of relapsing. That okay? Some of you are going to church to be a better husband. Some of you are going to church to be a better person. So you have an underlying motive behind the actual motive that should just be to worship the king and have more of him. So God has to address the thing that's lying behind the thing so that he can get you to him. this okay? I'm going to have, y'all coming back next week for me? Okay. Come back next week. I'll be in a better mood. Um, no, maybe not. I might not actually. So. so it can look right. It can look good. But there can be a fear behind the fear that's actually motivating you, not just the fear of the Lord and the respect and honor of Him. That makes sense? So God is saying, okay, Satan, do your best. So this isn't God doing this in his life. I love this because did you notice like it was like fire and wind and like crazy stuff happening? And it was all predicated on because God had kind of took, taken the hedge off. So this was the work of Satan. And if you remember when Elijah was trying to hear the voice of God and then fire came down and he was like, and God said he wasn't in the fire. And he said, oh, and then a wind. Oh, he wasn't in the wind. And then an earthquake, he's not in that either. And then he's in the still small voice. God's voice is not in that which is destructive. And some of you are giving God credit for something that actually Satan's doing in your life. Now, God can redeem all that stuff. But I'm telling you that God speaks in a still small voice. And that's the thing that topples kingdoms. That's the thing that sets the world right. Is really a whisper inside of your heart that is his voice. So Job's got to discern. Was God in the fire that, that destroyed this? Was God in the wind that did this? Was God in all this destructive stuff? And some of you are fighting this battle. You're fighting a battle where all this destructive things, whether it's internal or external, is coming at you and you're trying to figure out, where's God's voice? Is this something God's doing to me? <laughs> and so Satan wants to make all the noise and wreak all the havoc. Why? To keep you from being still and knowing he's God and hearing his voice and his direction for your life. To get you running to this friend and that friend and every friend that will tell you something different than the whisper that's in your heart. Like. I mean, it's. you. It's like if you want to get the word out. Telephone, tell a friend, or tell a Christian, right? Like, that's, that's how you get the word out. And God is trying to move us beyond that to bring us into maturation to where we quit listening to the counsel of friends around us and we start developing the ear for the heart of the Lord for our own life. And we've outsourced our Christianity to paid professionals, i.e. me, to then tell us what God is saying all the time when God wants you to cultivate an ear to hear the word of the Lord for your own life. Like, the ministry is to equip the saints. 
not to part the beard so that we can put the bottle in every. Okay. Job. <laughs> so, so this is how God grows him up. You know what? Job's got all these questions. And he's got all these things. And he's like, I'm righteous. Why is this happening to me? And then isn't it funny when suffering always draws friends that are experts? So then he's got friends around him while he's suffering. And they go, ah, this is easy. You sin somehow. This is why this is happening to you. And so he's trying to convince them, no, no, actually, I didn't really do anything wrong. And they're like, no, no, yeah, you had to. Yeah, 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 you're just. So, like, you have this, like, battle of the one suffering saying, I don't know why this is happening. And then you have the conversation of the um, clerical community around him telling him it's because he's such a bad sinner. <laughs> And God lets them go back and forth for like 30-something chapters. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like, why couldn't we at the first just go, all right, I don't know what's going on. Let's go to the Lord and ask Him. Lord, what is your heart for this, right? But here's the problem with the church. The church is the only place where everybody's a doctor and nobody's a patient. I'm getting back to these notes. This is just getting terrible what is happening right now. And so everybody's conversing. They're telling him it's because he's, he's, he's sinned. He's messed up. That this is why this is happening. He's saying, no, I, I really don't know why this is happening. I hadn't fallen into anything in my life. There's, and there's just all these voices that are going on. And Job is just kind of going through it. So you would think, with all this suffering and bad advice from these friends, that God would come down and uh, pat Job on the head and tell him he loves him. But do you know what? God does not do that. He listens to all their questions and then he comes near and says alright now I got some questions for you guys here and he puts them face to face with the greatest monsters that were in their thoughts in that time these two monsters he acquaints Job with behemoth and leviathan these were mythological creatures within Jewish thought in the ancient mindset. And these mythological creatures were thought to be chaos creatures that were, if you got in their path, um, it was just bad. So the sea in Jewish thought was chaotic and crazy and you never knew what was going to happen. You couldn't see that far down below it, you didn't know all the creatures that were down there. And so this, this thought for the chaos of the sea was this creature, this mythological sea creature called Leviathan. Its counterpart was a creature called Behemoth, and it was the land version of that reality. 
So God takes Job in this place where he's dealing with all these internal questions and then puts him face to face with two of the most frightening creatures that he could possibly put in front of his face. And he's trying to move Job into a place to get Job outside of himself and to move Job's heart into the reality of what it is to actually trust God who actually has control and has all the power and has... Because see, I think sometimes in our life, like we... We try to trust the Lord and then we just grab the control right back and say, oh, give me that. I got this better than you've got it. And we keep getting taken down by the same thing because we don't know how to let God lead us and begin to direct our life with that still small voice uh, reality. It feels wimpy to us. It doesn't feel like it's going to hold up. It's just him kind of whispering to our heart or it's me with my little devotional. And I don't feel strong when I'm doing that. That feels like a a kind of a weak act. But God's like, no, it's in this weak act of devotion devotion and communication it's in the place of weakness that I actually become strong in your life and move you into avenues of power that actually bring down giants and so he puts him face to face with these two mythological creatures because how many of you know um, reality scary but our imagination scarier you ever done that Started that thought process, then all of a sudden that imagination gets carried away and suddenly nobody likes you, everybody hates you, they're out to get you. You're paranoid now, you're looking out the blinds, you think everything. Your phone's listening to you, oh my God. The new world order's coming and you just, ah. For you know it, you're more afraid of the Antichrist than you are of the Christ. That is true. Like your namesake. True. So. Um, yeah, so he puts him face to face with these creatures in Job 40. Look what he does here. Job 40, verse 15. Take a look at Behemoth, which I made, just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins. Whatever that means. And the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It's a prime example of God's handiwork. And only its creator can threaten it. Now watch this. Job 41. Verse 1 through 11. This would be the mythical sea creature that was the chaos creature of that day. Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg for you? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you to be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it to sell it in their shops? 
Will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon? If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the battle that follows. You won't try that again. <laughs> uh, but you might. <laughs> you know, it seems like we do. No, it is useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. And since no one dares to disturb it, who then can stand up to me? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. So God shows up and says, puts the two most chaotic, most frightening things that were in the ancient mind at that time. And says, what are you going to do if these things actually do show up? You're going to fight behemoth and win in your own strength. You're going you're gonna, to you know, get your line and your hook and you're going to catch Leviathan and reel him in and land him in your strength and in your power and your intellect. He's getting Job outside of himself to say the things you're afraid of, I created and I'm over the things that scare you the most. And until you transfer your fear from the thing you fear from most and make that King Jesus, you'll always be dogged and controlled by those things in your life. Amen. That God would put us face to face with our greatest fear until we stopped fearing that and started fearing the Lord in that area in our life. Reason why you, why you dabble in that sin is because you fear that thing more than you fear the Lord. Your fear that that thing would stop medicating that thing in the inside of you is greater than your fear to go all in with King Jesus and let Him be that healing salve to touch that area of your life. And people say, Christians are wimpy. I'm thinking, we're the bravest, craziest people on the earth. Because if you're really doing this thing, there's no place that God can't go in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And some of us are waiting on an embrace and God's like that's okay but at this juncture he's trying to raise up warriors for him not people that are stuck in toddler mindsets like we have a elementary education of spiritual warfare and we're fighting PhD devils in this age we're playing games with these demons like they're like they're Leviathan and we're going to hook them in the jaw and pull them in. Not in your strength and intellect. 
You got sexual sin in your life, it'll take you out. You fooling around with the devil and you're fooling around with things you don't need to be fooling around, it'll take you can't hook Leviathan. You can't fight behemoth. It'll kill you. Kill you. God would move us to a place that we go beyond hearing what we want to hear and we move into the place of hearing whatever God wants to say in that moment and in that hour. Because God's the God of it all. I want to share this with you and then we'll come to a close. Psalm 74, verses 10 through 14. This is what the psalmist says. How long, O God, will the adversary hurl insults? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you remain inactive? Intervene and destroy him. But God has been my king from ancient times. Performing acts of deliverance on the earth. You destroyed the sea. Remember the chaos? You destroyed the sea by your strength. Now watch this. You shattered the heads of the sea monster in the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. And you fed him to the people who live along the coast. Listen, there was a thought in the intertestamental period of Christianity, and that is in between the book of Malachi and before the Gospels were written, and that everybody was formulating how the king was going to come and what it was going to look like. And so the thought of that day was based on this psalm here and some other scriptures. I think it's in Isaiah 27 where God takes out Leviathan as well. But the thought was beginning to develop that um, that th- for the faithful saints, what was going to happen in the great eschaton or the last things, how God was going to move people into the new age of the messianic rule and the kingdom that was to come. What was going to happen at the supper table, you know what was going to be served for dinner for the faithful saints? Behemoth and Leviathan. So God was going to have a fish fry and brontosaurus burgers like a Flintstone style. And we were going to feast. And the faithful saints were actually going to sit at the table. And that's what we were going to eat. We were going to eat the two mythological chaos creatures that have caused so much trouble. Why? Because only the God of heaven can take out that kind of chaos and put order into your life and move you into the things of God. Like this is what He wants to do. But are you brave enough to face your greatest fear? Can you go up to God and say, I'm scared, and then him say, uh, well, I'm going to show you something even scarier. <laughs> because it's going to make you do two things. You're either going to run away and hide, or you're going to stand outside of your own strength and go, God, in your strength I stand. To be humiliated and stripped of everything that I know, but I'm not budging till you take every part of my heart, till you take every fear that I have, and I'm not moving until I'm delivered, set free, and saved.
You'll say, man, I got this issue. I just can't beat. So lock yourself in a room with God and don't come out until you get free. You'll say, I don't want to do that. Well, okay, you don't want to be free. There's something you fear more than him. I can't tell you the countless deliverances I've had. Just me and the Lord in a locked door. I said, one of us is going to come out of here, and it ain't going to be me. It's going to be you and me walking out of here with this issue in my life. And some of you are letting people bully and push you around and manipulate you and make you feel sorry for them, and they're controlling you. It's a manipulative Jezebel spirit that is trying to find a capable Ahab and keep them under her feet. And it operates more in men than it does in women, just so you know. Especially in this age of boys that we have raised. I would ask what's come over me, but I believe it's the Holy Spirit trying to plead with someone's life. So somebody might could experience freedom. So when we're in the midst of a trial, we have to get our eyes off the monsters. And we need to encourage ourselves by saying, my God can do anything and hasn't forgotten me. He has his eyes on me right now. And as I endure the trial, no matter how bad things look, he's got everything under control. And nobody and no power can change the plans that he has for me. Only me. Only me. So maybe you're discouraged right now and you can't see a way out. Uh, Good, because you'll quit trying to look within yourself to find a way out. (laughs) And you might just throw yourself at the feet of the king and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. You may not double what you've lost like Job did, but you might possess something even greater than double for your trouble. You might possess the king of kings and the Lord of lords because no purpose of his can ever be thwarted. You might not be able to stand up against the monsters that are coming after you, but God can. God can. So don't shrink your destiny by praying for the monster to leave. Face up and say, God, be bigger than, in me than the monster that's staring at my face. And let me go forward that way. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. God, as we get, we're going toe-to-toe with these monsters, not in our own strength, but in yours. With a bowed knee, folded hands, we go forward in battle. In the strength that you provide, not in the strength that we find within our own heart and self. (sighs) 
Somebody here is, you keep running and hiding, and God's saying, would you quit doing that? And pretending it's a pretty picture, because God's just saying he's tired of that. And he wants you to get real and honest. He loves you too much to let you fake it till you make it. He wants the reality of the thing. Jesus. Jesus. With every head bowed, if you'd say, man, I'm facing some monsters. You'd just stand to your feet right now. Brave and bold. hear God saying he's going to slay those monsters <laughs> he's going to slay them <laughs> he's going to slay them he's going to slay them <sighs> and it's actually going to be a place of provision in your life <sighs> I just feel like somebody here has got a fear of being alone so you continue to settle in every area of your life. God's saying, stop settling. I got too good, too good of plans for you, to, for you to keep settling. Come on, stand to your feet. You're saying, man, I'm facing these monsters. I'm tired of being dogged and controlled. You got to get tired. You got to get ready to fight. You gotta hate it more than not having him. It's your greatest heart desire has gotta be you just want him. You just want him. In your pursuit of him, he just slays every monster and every devil just based on your pursuit and love relationship with him. standing, come to the front. I want you just to lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Let's just make an altar. An altar's where things come to die. You can't have an altar without a sacrifice. And some of us have had some empty altars. That we're coming to the altar, but we've not put ourselves on the altar. God's saying, put yourself on the altar tonight on the altar tonight. Put yourself on the altar tonight. Cry out. Your prayer is just as powerful as anyone else putting hands on you. Your prayer is the most honest voice you've got.
us deliverance, God. <laughs> God, don't let us be a half-hearted people, half devil and half something else. God, we're called to be the people, the very vessels that would house your glory. God, let us be those people. settle for a lesser destiny God not a lesser destiny God if it costs us everything you're worth it you're worth it he's worth it quit trying to fix everybody else and say God fix me quit trying to fix every situation and say God fix me wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear from the most honest place of your life. Let him hear your voice. Let him hear your voice. Let him hear your voice. The best is still ahead. But he can't let you go into the promised land like this. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.